After witnessing the DeLorean get struck by lightning in 1955, Marty McFly receives a letter from Dr. Emmett Brown in which Doc states he was sent back to 1885 in the ensuing confusion. Marty then learns that Doc was killed a week after he wrote that letter, so he wastes no time preparing the time machine to travel back to the Old West to save his friend in the epic 1990 conclusion, Back to the Future Part 3. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Colton Jenkins. And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday and welcome to the Filmgasm podcast. Since Austin and I dug into Back to the Future Part 2 on the most recent Oscar Sunday, we figured why not close out my all-time favorite trilogy over here on Filmgasm with Part 3. It's hard to stick the landing on a beloved series, but Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale nailed it. And this remains, as we talked about on, on Oscar Sunday, one of the few pure trilogies left. There's not been a fourth movie, a remake. It's just these three movies, and I hope it stays that way. Uh, yeah, so revisiting uh, Back to the Future 3, early thoughts. What uh, what'd you think? Oh, man, um, I, I've been on a um, – when I was – I, I love these movies, by the way. It, there's not a, like you just said, there's not a lot of good trilogies. I can think of like, I don't know, Lord of the Rings, um, Pirates of the Caribbean, because the fourth and fifth movie don't count. Um, and, and this, but this is, I think, the perfect trilogy because it you can't just watch the third movie or the second movie. You have to watch all three because it's one continuous story. And as I was watching the third one, uh, I got 10 minutes in and I was like, I got to watch all three. So I started with one and I watched them all the way through and it was, it's perfect. And the third one, I love the wild west. I've been on a red dead redemption two kick, uh, recently. So this, this felt great. And it's just such a, there's so many good moments in this movie that I I really like. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. I'm glad I've yet to really, I've yet to meet anyone who doesn't like back to the future. Even if you don't like worship it, like I do, you still enjoy the film. It's, oh yeah, yeah, they're perfect. I remember uh, in 2015 on October was it October 21st, I think. Yeah, Back to yeah. the Future. Day. They mm-hmm. had like a huge thing, and it, and it was a lot of fun. I always think that this trilogy is like my comfort movie. I don't know why, but when I was younger, anytime I got sick, I would always watch this movie and watch them all the way through. And to this day, if I want to watch a Back to the Future movie, I have to watch all three. I can't just watch one. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm totally with you. I didn't do it this time be- only because I like I I had a lot of shit I had to do. But I watched two for for Oscar Sunday and I watched three for this one. But, you know, knowing me, Back to the Future Part 1 will probably, you know, come on at some point in the next few weeks cuz that's just how I live. Did you get itchy <laughs> at the beginning when he comes out and like fuck, I got to watch part 2? <laughs> <laughs> yep, every time. It's yeah, these movies yeah. I, I, I've been charting um, the films I watch. I've been, I have this journal and last year I kept it from January, 2022 to December, 2022. I watched 656 movies last year. Jesus. And like 12 of them were back to the future <laughs> <laughs> because I just kept putting it on. It's like, I'm bored. Yeah. You know what? Back to the future. Why not? Oh, I just watched the first one. I might as well watch two and three. And it just, I did that like 12 times last year. That's not a bad idea, keeping a record, because anytime someone asks me what my favorite movie is, I give a different answer every time because it changes depending on how I'm feeling and any movies I've seen recently. Um, but that's a good idea. I'm, yeah. I'm 
That's why I love Letterboxd. I've been really getting more involved on there because I've been able to just, you know, transfer all my reviews on the website over there and just get more involved in the social media aspect of it and been, you know, ranking and charting my favorite movies. And it's been fun. It's been cool getting to see, like, you know, what do I really love in terms of film? And has it changed? I noticed, you know, there's films I loved as a kid that I don't really care for anymore. And there's films I didn't like that I saw the first time, like 10 years ago, that now I think are fucking awesome. So it's neat to kind of see how your tastes evolve. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of evolved taste, uh, before we get into Back to the Future 3, a few days ago, we went and saw a quirky little horror film at Alamo Drafthouse called Skinamarink. And it was quite the experience. And uh, it... I witnessed, I've never gotten to see this before. I witnessed a movie needle itself into someone's head. And I just, I saw you freak out. I've never seen that before. That was kind of cool. Yeah, You you said quirky. I think that's like, that's such a weird, unique word to use for this, for this movie. Yeah, man. I don't know uh, what it is about this movie, but the last 30 minutes, I think you saw me. I was watching through my hands. I didn't want to look. Usually... <laughs> Horror movies, I do that too, just because like I love horror movies so much. I love horror video games, but I just they they scare me so well. But this movie got under my skin. It's a very weird movie for those of you who don't know. It only had like a fifteen hundred dollar budget. It was filmed in the director's childhood home. It's his first movie, and it shot very weird. It has like a weird film grain effect over it. There's like a like a popping audio sound, and then it's all filmed in. like weird angles you see the same house and like you said after the movie you said i watched a house in over 900 different camera angles and exactly what it is but man so creepy and i'm excited to see more films from this director his name is kyle edward ball and i don't know man it it reminded me of like i guess this is the feeling that i had watching this is the feeling people had when the blair witch project first came out and when Paranormal Activity first came out because it's such a unique film for such a low budget. It's terrifying. It's like analog horror. It got under my skin. It made me, I would say probably more uncomfortable than scary per se. And the jump scares in this movie, in my opinion, were absolutely perfect. Yeah, I'll give you that. The moments where it is scary, it is fucking scary. Yeah. Uh, there's two scenes in particular that are going to stay with me forever. Uh, these are kind of the only real scenes in the movie. Everything else just kind of watching the walls yeah. and the corners and the ceiling. And <laughs> it really like this is, I think, the best depiction of a nightmare that we've ever seen on film. Like, you know, the just the fever dream aspect of, you know, you know, it's not real, but you can't get out. Yep. Like. It, it, had, it had that vibe. Uh, personally, I wanted more because I'm more of a narrative-driven fan. That's what I look for in a movie. But, you know, this wasn't that. And I, I can accept that. Yeah. Uh, with a budget, I'd like to see what, what Ball does next. I'd like to see what, he, what he's capable of because he's got something. He does, there is, there's a style in here that I can see becoming uh, pretty big. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely potential here. Uh, I think, you know, I, I probably would watch it again. I think I could see myself eventually kind of accepting this. But uh, yeah, that was that was freaky. And I, I just loved watching it kind of like consume you. 
Yeah, man, I was sweaty. Anytime we uh, we watched this at the at the draft house, and anytime the 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 waiter or waitress would come by, I'd be like, oh, thank God, I can, I cannot look through my hands. I can like focus on something else. I got like this really delicious milkshake, and I I didn't even want to drink it because I didn't want to move my hand away from my eyeballs. <laughs> but um, but it um, with a budget that low, it kind of reminds me of Wizards, just in the sense that it's a director who really, really wanted to make a movie no matter what. And he had this low budget, so we like ran with it. And I love that. My only critique, I think it could be shorter, especially the way that it was filmed. Definitely could have been a lot shorter, but that's it. Yeah, this could have been like a 50 minutes kind of, you know, host yeah. style movie. But uh, yeah, I love seeing, I've never seen an entire audience kind of freak out. I've never yeah. seen that before either. That was new. And I've seen a lot of horror films in theaters, but that's the first time where I saw the audience lose their fucking mind. I'll never look at a toy phone the same way again. Yeah, yeah. I Everyone jumped at the same jump scares, and nobody laughed about them because they were all horrifying. And at the very end of the movie, when it does it say the end? I don't know. Oh, when the credits start to roll and the lights come on, the whole audience, I don't know if if it was because of, of the weirdness of the movie and how non-movie it was or because of how scary it was, but I don't know if you felt it or heard it, but the entire audience gave like a sigh of relief. And I heard someone say, Oh, thank God. Like that was me. But because I was so fucking scared the whole time I was on edge the whole, well, not the whole movie, the last 30 minutes. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Just everyone kind of being like, whoo, all right. We're, yeah. we're out of hell. Let's go home. <laughs> it's definitely more of an experience than a movie, I would say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It is a, you know, David Lynch-esque, like, descent into madness that really has no yeah. story. It's just watching these kids on a sleepover deal with some entity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was, like, spotlighting, you know, current film and what we're checking out. And this was a movie that was, like, a one-night-only deal that really did not get a lot of attention. So whatever we can do to kind of, you know, throw our two cents into the ring, here we are. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, so to, t- to start off our, our conversation on Back to the Future 3, I do have a question. And it's a pretty simple but fun one that I think we can have a lot of cool stuff to talk about with. Mm-hmm. If you could travel back in time, where would you go and why? Oh, fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is another question where it depends on my mood. Like right now, I'm on a Red Dead Redemption kick, so I would say the Wild West. But like a couple of weeks ago, I was playing a lot of Elden Ring, and um, uh, what 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 did I just watch? Oh, I watched A Knight's Tale. So I really wanted to like I would say the medieval times, but I always I love the '80s. Uh, racism and sexism aside, uh, the '50s and '60s, I love that too, just so much. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't think I would ever go into the future just because I don't give a shit. I would definitely stay in the past, uh, definitely before, maybe before 1985 and not into prehistoric era. So, you know, I don't know. I'd go all over the place, honestly. I wouldn't stay in one place for too long. I would initially be worried about the consequences. Like, if I step on this moth, like, am I going to erase, like, Bill Clinton from the universe or something? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... I would, if, if I knew there were zero consequences to my actions, this gets way more fun. And oh, I would yeah. basically go back to the Middle Ages with a 22 and take over the entire world. <laughs> just, just go back to like, uh, you know, to the, um, 
to the age of uh, age of in- industrialization and just show someone an iPhone. Yeah, I'll show up with an like with an iPhone, a twenty-two, a lighter, <laughs> and like a Swiss Army knife, and I am God. Yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> yep, that would be fun uh, for a while. I'd probably get tired of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely want to go back to the uh, to the seventies and just kind of be a part of culture up to like the nineties. I want drugs. to do that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Lots of drugs. <laughs> uh, and like pre AIDS free, like free love would be quite nice too. Yep. Uh, but also just like, I want to like, I want to go back to the sixties and write star Wars before George Lucas and then just kind of roll with that. There you go. Yeah. There you I would go. definitely like take a lot of future stories with me and just yes. sell that shit. Yeah. I would, here's what I would do. I would go back um, when Bitcoin was a thing and I'd like, I'd like find my future self or my past self and be like, listen, invest all your money in Bitcoin. I'm like, what's Bitcoin? Don't fucking worry about it. Just do it. You go back like three, four years ago (laughs) and just tell yourself to invest in Bitcoin. I like that. I'd probably, yeah. I'm going to be a pirate, dude. Try to do whatever I can to like weasel my way into a pirate crew. Oh man. (laughs) Scurvy that aside, that sounds great. Scurvy aside, yeah, just bring a bunch of oranges with it. You'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, I definitely, yeah, I'd, I'd have myself make some some smart investments. I'd I'd go back in time and, like, give my grandpa stock tips on, like, Apple and <laughs> Microsoft and shit like that. There uh, you go. Yeah, that'd be fun. In terms of, like, pure exploration, I'd want to go meet, like, Teddy Roosevelt and say, like, yeah. you're, you're an interesting man. He'd probably punch me in the face just on principle. Yeah. I've heard this question asked a lot about time travel and I have the same answer and it's always, I, it always surprises people, but would you go back in time and kill Hitler? No My answer. Yeah, exactly. My answer is always no, because you don't know if something worse could happen. Yeah. And also like, I mean, I, I don't want to say we're pretty chill right now, but we're pretty chill right now with the way things went. I feel like if you kill Hitler, Stalin takes over Europe and we're in a very similar situation. Oh Yeah. And have you seen 112263 or read the book? I've done both. I really like that story. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's not a movie. Sorry. It's a it's a show. Yeah. But yeah, that's why I wouldn't I wouldn't kill anybody. I'd I'd kill a few people. I just I don't know about I'd try to I, I'd get Hitler into art school. <laughs> yeah. Just, that's what I would just do. buy one of his paintings, be like, hey man, look at me. You have it in you. Follow your dreams. This painting is really good. I often wonder about that. Like if certain people in history, like bad, horrible, monstrous people, were just pushed in a different direction. We're given, you know, just like a couple more hugs as a child. Like, yeah. Would that have, would they have turned out as horrific as they became? I'm sure some of them were, some people are just born bad, but I do think there's some people that with a little guidance would have been different. So I would, I would like, you know, I might try that. And as soon as I, you know, fail at it, I'll be like, fuck this. I'm just going to go save Kurt Cobain. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, I, I always wonder, like, if Kurt Cobain hadn't died, like, he would still be making music, but I wonder if it would, like, change at all, like a lot of artists do. Well, I feel like if he got clean, absolutely. Nirvana, without heroin, probably, I feel like would sound a lot like the Foo Fighters. Yeah. But, you know, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Interesting concepts. Like, I don't know. I feel like at the end of it, I'd be like, do I want to just erase myself from history? Like, would it, would I, 
would I know I was dead or would it just be like, did it, was I never here? What would that feel like? The best way I, I can describe this. And I actually talked to my brother about this when I went back home a couple of day, um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I wouldn't necessarily be a, uh, I, it wasn't about time travel. It was don't laugh, but I, it, it was if space exploration was a thing and like space pirates and everything were a real thing. Um, I wouldn't be homeless, but I definitely wouldn't have a home. Same thing with time travel. I wouldn't be homeless, but I wouldn't have a home. I would just travel all the time just to different time periods and just do so much bullshit. I might even rob a bank. Yeah, I would rob a bank with John Dillinger. I'd do a bunch of crazy shit with famous historical <laughs> figures and then like take credit for their deeds. Yeah. I just I'd be I'd fuck around till the universe like unraveled pretty much. <laughs> is there movies about that? Like like there's time travel movies, but is there a movie about like I don't know, like a I don't know. I've I've heard the phrase time heist before. I don't remember where I heard it. Oh, fucking Avengers. Yeah, that's right. The closest we've gotten to just someone traveling through time and fucking around is Doctor Who. Oh, okay. Yeah, Doctor Who's pretty well. It, it was pretty good. I don't I don't like it, it anymore. I didn't like it, when. It's about to be pretty good again. Who who's playing the new doctor? You know? David Tennant. What? Yeah, he's, he's back. back. He's back as the fourteenth doctor. Yeah. That's that's weird, man. Yep, he's back, and uh, the showrunner from his time is back as well. So like, it's a full return to what we all loved about Doctor Who for for next year. Actually, for this year. I really liked Peter Capaldi, but. I don't know if I grew out of the the fandom of Doctor Who, but I tried going back and rewatching, and I just couldn't. I don't know. I think it was like too much. Or I just I, I wanted. I tried to watch uh, the Thirteenth Doctor stuff. Jodie Whittaker. She was good. I just thought that the writer kind of sucked all the joy and merriment out of Doctor Who. He like took all the whimsy out of it, made it too serious. He didn't really quite understand. The merriment of this whole thing and he made it too dreary and i just stopped watching it yeah my favorite episodes of doctor who are actually the horror episodes also oh yeah nothing some of them are there's fucking angels or some of the scariest shit in pop culture history yes yep those are pretty good and then there was one it was with peter capaldi he was like stuck in a was he stuck in a time loop but he had to like punch his way through like a wall of diamond or something dude that yeah. was cool that was a cool episode yeah, Heaven Sent. That was a good one. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I rewatched all of it recently, uh, most of it. Uh, nine to most of 12 to just kind of prep because I want to watch the new stuff, but I want to be caught up. Uh, and it had been a while since I watched Doctor Who, so I watched all of that and I immediately fell back into it. Like, this is the best. I love this. And all right, maybe, maybe I'll go back. And you know what? Everyone says that they hate Nine. I don't necessarily hate Nine. He's just a different kind of doctor. Yeah, it's... The problem with nine is that 10 and 11 were so damn good that he kind of loses points by default. But I think nine was fine. I think, you know, Eccleston just was doing his own thing. He didn't want to commit yeah. to a series and BBC kind of fucked him over for that. Plus it's, nine had a reason to be pissed off. Didn't the last doctor like fuck up or something? He had, he had a reason to act. Yeah. Like he had like just killed his entire race. Yeah. He was, he was a broken man. Like mm-hmm. that doctor needed to learn how to be the doctor again. And that was, that was cool. Uh, yeah. Can't talk about time travel without bringing up Dr. Who. No, you can't here. Here's a tough question. David Tennant or Matt Smith. Oh, oh, okay. I do think the superior doctor is David Tennant, but me personally, Matt Smith. Yeah. I like the stories and the adventures Matt Smith goes on better, 
but I like the, I don't know. I like mm, Matt Smith's humor. I think is funnier than David Tennant's, but there's something about, I, I honestly, I think, I think it's the way he dresses <laughs> David Tennant that I like more. Yeah. Well, I liked Matt Smith's approach to the doctor as like, he's the youngest actor to play the doctor, but at the time, you know, he's the oldest version of the doctor. So there's this like darkness and this like ancient wisdom inside this younger body that I thought like, the way he brought, he, he kind of gelled that together was well yeah. done. That That's also another thing I really liked about the series Doctor Who was that that's what it was. It was this guy, he's very, you know, lively and very fun, but he's done pretty horrific shit and he has like i know it's not his job to help people but like he has that weight on his shoulders and it's it's terrifying yeah it's a personal crusade to help whenever he can and yeah like i love that but he helps because he feels regret for what he did to his own people i feel like well he was doing this but way before he did that you know? oh that's right because he stole the the tardis yeah that's right yeah yeah, yeah. since the 60s uh yeah but yeah, I I tried to watch the 60s version, the the first Doctor. I got like four episodes in and I was like, this is horrible. Well, because it, it was an educational show when it first came out, I think. That and like every story took like six episodes to tell. It was, yeah, it was like a series. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and that was just, that was too much. I couldn't do it. Uh, so there's and I no like, way I'm going to go through like 20, 30 years worth of that. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I usually don't like monster of the week type shit. Like I liked Grimm a, somewhat. And then um, you, you say Supernatural is really good, but I haven't even given it a chance yet, unfortunately. But um, the only way to tell Doctor Who is in monster of the week. Yeah, the reboot, the way they, they told the stories made way more sense. It was way more put together. Uh, yeah, I love, I love Doctor Who. I'll stand by Doctor Who. Yeah. I'm going to finish. I'm going to watch 13. I'm going to watch Jody Whittaker's episodes. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I, I might rewatch it now. Now that I know that David Tennant's coming back, I might, might give it another whirl. Yeah. Worth it. Um, so yeah, time travels, fun consequences be damned. You know, worry about it later. Mm. Uh, I don't want to catch the plague or some shit. I'm worried about that. Like going back Would in time. We- catching something that'll kill me in like a day and there's no medicine would we catch it though with our modern immune systems i don't know like is it but is are the diseases in their purest form where they can overpower what we've got like has it been diluted over the centuries to the point of being something we can fight i can't imagine that here's what i would do go back to the bubonic plague but bring some nyquil What if it's been overblown and like we go back in time and like the plague really was just like a cold that no one could fight. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the, the approach to, okay. So um, those of you who don't know, uh, I am in the medical field and I actually found out a couple of days ago, um, we still use leeches and we still use maggots today. Why? Um, so like if someone has like a, like an infection, we use maggots to eat the infection and then leeches. I don't remember why we use leeches, but I think it's the same type of thing. But I mean, medicine has obviously like improved from the days of, Hey doctor, I think I have a cold. Oh no, you don't. You have the devil. Here's some cocaine. Have a nice day. But like, imagine going back in time and be like, no, no, no. Fuck all that lavender and chamomile shit. Here's some Tylenol. Have a great day. (laughs) 
all right, new new plan. I'd go back in time to the 1600s and create the pharmaceutical market. There you go. You you are big pharma. <laughs> I am. Yeah, that that's I'm, that's my company. That's what I'm going to call it. There you go. Where the legends came from. Oh. I'd also go back in time and like find out like what landed at Roswell, who killed JFK. Like I'd position myself to find out exactly what happened in certain oh, yeah. conspiracies. Yeah. yeah. That'd be the bomb. <laughs> this is fun. Yeah. All right. We got the old juices flowing there. So back to the future three. How did this happen? Well, Back to the Future Part 2 and 3 were filmed back-to-back in 1989, with most of the cast and crew from the first film returning, apart from Crispin Glover as George McFly, who was replaced by Jeffrey Weissman. Uh, the part of Seamus, Marty's like great-great-great-grandfather, was written for Crispin Glover, but he, he said no. Why did he say no? He, uh, he's a weird guy, and uh, was, I imagine was difficult on the set of Back to the Future, and then with part two, they used his likeness without uh, his permission, and he sued. Oof. He sued the company. He sued the studio and won, uh, and set a precedent for you know after after that, studios now have to pay the actor when they use their likeness for anything, which is the way it should be. But uh, yeah, Glover was a bit uh, harsh. That wasn't that. him at the end. That's weird. That looks just like him and sounds like him too. No, that's that's Jeffrey Weissman. The uh, in part two, there's a scene where when Marty's at the dance, you know, other Marty's at the dance looking through the binoculars and he sees George dancing. That's footage from the first movie. So that's what he didn't get paid for. Oh, in the second movie, when he's like upside down, that's not him. That's not Chris McGlover, is it? Nope, that's Jeffrey Weissman. Okay, yeah, I I could tell. I was like, that's not this is the only time I rewatched the trilogy when I realized I was like, that doesn't fucking look like Chris McGlover. No, that's weird. Yeah, apart from him, everybody came back. Ah, which is good. I'm glad it was. You know, he's he's an unusual man. Yeah, have you seen Willard? I have not. uh, I've heard it's weird. Uh, Have you seen Charlie's Angels? No. He plays a guy known as the Creepy Thin Man. That's his character's name. Well, I mean that fits. He's like, yeah, he's an assassin who works for the bad guy and. uh, Christian McGlover didn't like the lines he was given, so he just decided to shriek like an animal instead, and uh, they they used it. Oh, man. You know who I think he should really play? He needs to play, like, the Hobgoblin or something. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. That would be good. People say the Joker, but no, no, no. Hobgoblin. I think he'd make a good, like, you know, Professor Pig or Hush or something. One of the more psychotic. Ooh, he would, like, he'd be a good Hush, yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. Maybe a Mad Hatter would be cool. Oh, Mad Hatter would be great. He yeah. might be a bit too tall for that one. Yeah, that's true. Oh man, you know what? Now that I said Mad Hatter, Mad Hatter would be a cool villain in the in the uh, in the in the new trilogy that they're making. It would be. I'm glad that they're working to keep Batman two safe from the fucking DC purge that's happening right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the idea for an old west setting actually came from Michael J. Fox uh, on the set of the first film. Robert Zemeckis asked him what time period he'd like to visit. And Fox said he'd like to visit the old West and meet cowboys. And Zemeckis thought, huh, that's a pretty good idea. I'll hold on to that. He was like, fuck, what the fuck am I going to write that into the script? Shit. (laughs) I would love if he was like, 
he had the script behind his back and it was about like Marty in World War II. And he's like, oh, <laughs> Old West, that's a great idea. And he like scribbled through it. It's like he enlists. <laughs> we got to start from scratch. <laughs> I wonder what, like, I wonder how many like ideas they had for the trilogy, like where they were going to go. Uh, well, I, know, I have a few uh, early drafts of the script of the first movie. Uh, the version we got was like way on down the road. Um, oh, damn. The original, like, the, first off, in the original draft, there was no DeLorean. Uh, it was a refrigerator. That's funny, man. Is that why in um, Indiana Jones, he goes into the refrigerator? It might be a nod to that. Yeah. That's funny. That's, that's funny. That's what they did to get the, the 1.21 gigawatts was they drove the fucking fridge into a nuclear test. <laughs> okay. So. That was the finale of Back to the Future. And eventually somebody was like, this might not be that whimsical. We might want to make this a little, a little different. Man, yeah. that's crazy. That's wild. Uh, the 1885 Hill Valley set was built from scratch. Yep. I watched the documentary a long time ago. There's some things I remembered while I was watching it. Um, but it's, it's been so long since I've seen that. I don't, it's on YouTube. It's free. Was, it, was this back in time? Yeah. Yeah, I watched that one. That was that was that was good. I liked that. Uh, I remember uh, they did some behind the scenes uh, footage of Back to the Future Two, where Robert Zemeckis managed to convince people that hoverboards were real. Uh, <laughs> he said, "Like, yeah, the government's been working on these for years, and I was able to score some for the movie. They'll be out by next Christmas, most likely." And people were <laughs> like, "Where the hell's my hoverboard?" And he had to be like, "I'm so sorry, you idiots. It was a joke." <laughs> That's great, dude. <laughs> uh, the landscape shots were done in Oak Park, California, and Monument Valley, where a lot of classic westerns were filmed. You may recognize the landscape shots of Utah because it looks like it's still untouched old west mm-hmm. land. It's in pretty much every western made in the 20th century. Uh, Oscar winner Mary Steenburgen agreed to play Doc's love interest, Clara Clayton, after her kids who were big fans of the first film, hounded her. The role had been written with her in mind. She almost turned it down, but her kids were like, Back to the Future, that's our favorite movie. you got to do this. That's funny. There's a lot of, um, I'm realizing there's a lot of people in Hollywood who do that. Like you said, um, um, oh, fuck, I forgot his name, dude. Was it Michael Gambon? Was it his kids? Oh, it was, it was Richard Harris. His, Richard Harris. His grandkids. His grandkids, yeah. That, and then there was someone else. I don't, I don't remember who you said. But there's a lot of people who do that. There's a lot of people who are like, please, please be in this movie. Uh, Viggo Mortensen in Lord of the Rings. That's right. Aragorn. That was the yeah. other one, yeah. Kids were like, you're going to be Aragorn? You need to take this. <laughs> like, but I get that. If, I'm, you know, if my dad was an actor and he was going to be in something adapted from like my favorite thing of all time and he was asked, I'd be like, yeah, do it. Oh, my God. 100 that's cool uh back to the future part three was a big success grossing 245 million on a budget of just 40 million making it the sixth highest grossing film of 1990 number one surprised me i was i couldn't believe this was the highest grossing film of 1990 uh ghost no yeah ghost that's weird yeah people love their swayze Okay. <laughs> I've never seen Ghost, so I can't judge the movie, but it doesn't I, seem I, like it's, you know, be, like most successful film of 1990. It just doesn't feel like that. Yeah, I haven't seen it either, but I'm, I'm not a big fan of 
romance movies. It's number one. Are you serious? Yeah. Highest grossing film in 1990. Here, I'll get the list. This is this is actually kind of neat. Um, number 10 was Kindergarten Cop. Oh, what? No. It was a simpler time. It was a simpler time. Clearly. <laughs> number nine was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I can see that. Dude, they're making a new one. They are, yeah. I think I'm excited. Seth writing it. No, he's not. Yeah, I think he's involved. Is it going to be CGI or is it going to be puppets like the uh, first two? Or- I think it's an animated movie. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Uh, number eight was Presumed Innocent. Uh, Harrison Ford uh, courtroom drama that was not bad. Not great, but not bad. Number seven, Die Hard 2. Hmm. Okay. Number six, Back to the Future Part 3. Number five, Total Recall. I haven't seen I've only Unfortunately, I've only seen the remake. I'm sorry. I have tried to like this movie so many times. I, I don't. <laughs> it's not a good premise. I don't care what anyone says. It's not a good premise. It's just not. Like, it's 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 corny and it's goofy. And I've seen yes. Martian movies done way better. Like I, I get if you love it, great. I don't want to take that away from you, Caleb. But I don't. I don't <laughs> like Total Recall. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, number four, Dances with Wolves. Mm. Number three, Pretty Woman. That that movie fucking slaps. I don't care what anyone says. Really? I thought you weren't into romantic movies. Um, I'm into rom-coms, and I think that movie's just funny enough to be a rom-com. Okay. We just did a Beyond the Bad where we ripped to shreds the very concept of a rom-com. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, come on. What are you... Okay. The Proposal is a, is a, is a, is a fun movie to watch, okay? That's, that's one of the ones we, we ripped apart. <laughs> what? Not... <laughs> it's funny. It's, good... it's funny. We just we tore the concept apart. Like... Oh. Uh, yeah, I, there's some I, I love, like, you know, when when Harry met Sally is one that I really like. Yep. That one's good. I don't hate all of them. I just hate insincere. The, the Holiday. That's a great rom-com Christmas movie. That one is so damn good. If you don't like The Holiday, there's something wrong with you. I've never seen The Holiday. I like Love Actually. Love Actually is good. My, one of my dad's favorite movies of all time is um, Devil Wears Prada, which I know that's not exactly a rom-com, but it falls in like that. It, it, I guess it's more of a, of a I don't I don't like the term, but it's more of a chick flick. But that's one of my dad's favorite movies of all time. Yeah, you know I don't I don't ever want to disparage anybody's taste, but me personally, I just I find a lot of rom coms to be insincere fluff that is terrible. Oh, written. for sure. But what about Fifty First Dates? I haven't seen that either. Oh man, that one's good. But I love The Wedding Singer. Yep, that one's good. There you go. That one's good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's, there's some good ones out there, but you know, they're buried under all the shit. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, number two, Home Alone, and number one, Ghost. Home Alone? Dude, that movie was huge. Like, you don't understand how big that movie was. (laughs) It's a good movie, but to be number two, that's weird. Yeah, that was, that Hmm. film, that movie, there's two Christmas movies on, on that list. Home Alone and Die Hard 2. Home like, Alone, isn't that is that also that's not Zemeckis, is it? No, that's Chris Columbus. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I love how you can. I I, I know I I just uh miscredited him for Home Alone, but you can always tell when Zemeckis makes a movie. Like he he has like a 
there's a feeling you get for all of his movies, except for the newest Pinocchio. I'm sorry, but that wasn't good. I think after the Polar Express, he kind of kind of lost it. off. Yeah. Yeah. But everything pre that, like Death Becomes Her, Roger Rabbit, Romancing the Stone, uh, Used Cars. Like he's, uh, got, man. he's got some great shit. Mm-hmm. You ever see Used I Cars? I have not. It's like one of his first movies. It's so fucking hilarious. It's Kurt Russell as this like slimy car salesman who tries to like prove uh, like something he said on TV is that he said like we have miles of cars and they're going to like sue him for that. So he has to put together like miles of fucking cars. To prove <laughs> it. And it, it's really funny. It's a good one. That's funny. Yeah. That's good. Did you like Polar Express? I know people I hated Polar that movie. Express. I love Polar Express. Yes. People say they hate it because it's boring. No, it's not. Shut up. Second of all, the faces are in that uncanny valley area, but that movie and the Disney uh, Christmas Carol, I, I really like the animation. I like that it's kind of off-putting. <laughs> Whenever t- somebody tells me that they, they found Polar Express boring, I just assume, I, you know, I, I just want to say, I'm sorry you can't hear the bells ringing. I'm sorry. Yeah, like, exactly. It's not yeah. my fault. And it's not the movie's fault that you lost your Christmas spirit. Yeah, so go look for it and then come back to me. Exactly, and there's oh Tom Hanks, dude. He his his voice, dude. He's he, the voice of Christmas right there. Oh, the fucking soundtrack. The music is so joyful, yes. and sweet, and it just it it makes me feel all warm inside that movie. Yeah, it's so good for you. This, okay, you, you you might make fun of me, but because of that movie, this is kind of weird. I really like listening to ambience to go to sleep. And one of my favorite ones, because of Polar Express, is like train ambience. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah. In fact, this year on Christmas Eve, to fall asleep, I put on uh, train ambience with it, it. It was called like you're on a you're on the Polar Express with Christmas music playing in the next car over, and it was perfect. I fell right asleep, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's That's funny. Yeah, I've always loved that movie. Uh, yeah, Robert Zemeckis is responsible for some of the best like experiences in my childhood. Just discovering films of his, I, I loved so much, so many of his films as a kid. Uh, yeah. He's he's one of my go to filmmakers. I really wish he'd give me something good. It's been a long time. Yeah, do you think you could make a horror movie? I could have sworn he uh, he did one in tw- in two thousand called What Lies Beneath. Oof, uh, it's a ghost movie with Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer. It's not great but it's, it's got its moments interesting am i hallucinating or when i watched the first movie did i see steven spielberg's name oh yeah he produced these he produced them mm-hmm. okay yeah because i he, saw his movie i mean i saw his name and i was like that's weird i thought robert zemeckis made this and then i saw his name and i was like oh okay yeah zemeckis um after he made romancing the stone uh which was a big success uh people started paying attention to him and he was able to finally sell back to the future and he got Spielberg's attention and Spielberg came on as a producer, but Damn, back to the future was his passion projects. Like he'd been trying to sell that for a long time. That's when you know that you've made good movies when Steven Spielberg is like, Hey, I'll make your movie. <laughs> yeah. When he's going to, when he's going to finance this fucker, you're in good yeah. hands. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Um, so back to the future three has an IMDb score of 7.4. Letterbox score of 3.5 out of 5, and a Rotten Tomato score of 80%. Curtis Consensus reads, Back to the Future 3 draws the trilogy to a satisfying close with a simpler, sweeter round of time travel antics. And I agree. It is a nice finale. It is. Good. No, no, you go. 
No. Okay. A lot of people had problems with part two being too busy and too like hard to follow. So the fact that part three was pretty much in one place, like the like the first yeah. movie, gave people a you know they warmed up to it. Yeah, that's why. Um, I know that you said that all these movies are pretty even evenly matched for you. Yeah. Um, it's the same for me, but they're just slightly above each other. It goes for me. It goes three, one, two, just because I do also think two is the busiest one because they they go i don't say the plots all over the place but they themselves are literally all over the place yeah you're not wrong they go from you know 1985 to 2015 to 1985a to 1955 yeah it's it's a lot yeah but i just i love the story of part two i love biff getting you know becoming like king of the world and donald trump party's lives like life's you know destroying his life and killing his father and all that. I, I love that whole side. Getting to see Biff be as horrible as he wants to be. Is, yeah. I like that. That's my favorite moment in part two is when he goes back to the alternate 1995. That's my favorite segment. And I love the, I don't want to get political again, but you know, Donald Trump, the, the fucking, the, uh, it, it, it mirrors Donald Trump so much. I think it's, it's, it's hilarious. Oh, yeah, that was not an accident. Zemeckis was very upfront about that. He's like, yeah, we modeled him after Trump. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, that was 100% on purpose. Nice, man. That's great. Yeah, that was back when he was just, you know, sleazy real estate asshole and not, you know, yeah, the guy he became, regrettably. The, the president. Yeah. Mm, still hurts. <laughs> Have you, just to get weird political side point, I love those posts when uh, Trump and Biden were running against each other and there would be a picture of a riot happening and the caption would be like, this is what Biden America's look like. That picture was taken while Trump is president. That is literally Trump's America. But I want someone to do that again, but I want them to take a picture, like a screenshot of Back to the Future Part 2 and then send that and say, this is Trump's America. (laughs) I am honestly surprised he didn't turn the White House into that. Yeah, I know. Me too. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Um, so back to the future three. Uh, let's go through this thing. It, I can pretty much recite this film from heart. So I'm going to try to do that here. We pick up right after, right at, right at the events of back to the future two. Doc has just sent Marty back to the future and who should roll around this, you know, the sidewalk, but Marty and Doc's like, what? I just, we just, no, you can't be. And he yeah. just, <laughs> It's great. He wakes up at home because it's howdy duty time. And he's like, I'm pretty sure I sent Marty back, but something's telling me we're not done with this. And he turns around and it's Marty. He freaks out. I love that. He's just like, this is not possible. And he just goes in the bathroom and tries to like trap Marty in a, well, how could you know situation? Yeah. But he did that. He did that in the, in the first movie too. And I think it's funny that he doesn't, he still doesn't believe him. He's like, Hey, I'm back. He's like, no, Yeah, it's it's crazy to me how like all of these adventures, like is, is is are these memories just like popping into current Doc's head? I ask that movie every single time I watch this. Like, how do the parents not remember him? Like, damn, we named our kid after that guy from high school, and he looks just like him. He's also friends with a scientist, a pretty established scientist. Admittedly, if I was George and that situation arose, as it did, I wouldn't immediately think, I think my son time traveled. I think, oh, Lorraine clearly fucked that guy who looked exactly like my son. Yeah. 
then <laughs> we're going to have words about it. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I, I guarantee you, he had to have tell, told his parents at some point down the line. Like, hey, guys, um, you're welcome. <laughs> you're, yeah, you want to hear about how shitty your lives were before I went and fixed them? <laughs> you want to talk about mom's alcoholism or dad's lack of a spine? Because we could go either way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, I love that. Um, Marty shows Doc the letter and Doc reads the letter. And basically Doc says, I'm happy. Don't come get me because we've already screwed this timeline up enough. Don't. Don't do it again. And yep. Marty's going to abide by it. He's like, all right, he's happy. I guess I'll go home. And they go to the mine to find the DeLorean. I love that it's just like, you know, the, the, the way that all unfolds is so cool. It is, but you're telling me no one found it? Well, it is an abandoned mine. Like, Doc was careful. Okay. But yeah, 70 years, somebody would find that. Yeah, I like, I like the scene when they're uh, looking at the pieces. And he's like, oh, of course I'm broke. It says right here, made in Japan. And he's like, he's like, what are you talking about? All the best stuff is made in Japan. He's like, unbelievable. Well, there's more future knowledge for, for Doc. To... <laughs> yeah. yeah, they keep saying like, oh, man, you don't want to know anything about the future. But Marty just doesn't shut up. No, but even this one, Doc's like, hey, I'm probably in the history books. Can I go look myself up? And Marty's like, are you kidding me? After everything you've been talking about? No, no, you probably <laughs> <Yeah>. shouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Would it be weird though if you were in a grave, like you know, walking through a cemetery and you found your fucking gravestone? Um, I would have a slew of emotions. The first one, like, oh fuck yeah, I'm gonna time travel at some point, and then like, oh fuck, I'm gonna die. Maybe I'm not gonna time travel at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but yeah, that that's a that's a moment. And uh, Doc has a. I love. It. He's like Marty, don't stand there. Like he's standing <laughs> on the body. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, they decide. All right. So clearly, to save Doc, Marty's got to go back in one last ride, as Vin Diesel would say. Mm-hmm. And they outfit the DeLorean with white walls, put a little playset-looking <laughs> yeah. thing on the on the on the hood. Yep. Marty dresses up like an idiot, and they and he drives back into a horde of Indians. Yep. <laughs> I, I just want to say real quick, I like how the DeLorean changes in every movie. To, to reflect the time that it's in. Yeah, I've got a poster of like, you know, De- the DeLorean split into three parts and it's part one, part two, part three. Nice. Like, part two's in the air, part three's on the train tracks. Like, it's a neat poster. Do you have a favorite iteration? Of the DeLorean? Bar- Back to the Future 2 DeLorean, by far. That oh, yeah, with Mr. Fusion. Mr. Fusion and, and the flight simulator, or the flight thing, and the yeah. broken time circuit that sent Doc back to the 1800s. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think the second ones too. I I just like the the look of the of it in the third movie because it looks like it's held together with duct tape. I think that's really cool. <laughs> and then also my favorite my favorite like I know it's not the DeLorean, but the train at the end. Oh my god, that thing is so cool. I'm surprised they didn't make like a spinoff animated series of them or anything. They did. No, they did not. They did an animated series in the nineties, yeah. Of 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 the of the train? Yeah, of Doc and his kids traveling through time, solve you know, doing wacky adventures with Okay, maybe maybe I did see clips of that because I thought, man, they, they should really turn this into an animated series. Yeah. I found it on, on DVD at half price books. I keep meaning to check it out, but it's it only lasted like two seasons. Is it still Christopher Lloyd? 
Uh, I think so, yeah. What? Mm-hmm. Maybe I know of its existence then, because th- maybe that's why I thought about that. I don't know. It had, like, cool. it had like little science experiment things with, I think it was Christopher Lloyd who would be like, science, and do something like in, you know, during the commercials or something. Or it might have been Bill Nye. There was some science thing connected to it. I know that. What did they do in the show? Did they like just go through time? Yeah. They, Doc, Clara, and their kids, and Einstein, who now I think now could talk because Doc built him a talking thing. Uh, oh my God. Did we talk about this? I, this sounds might- so familiar. Maybe I've seen it. Yeah, they would go back in time to like, you know, the Middle Ages and they always encountered a tannin because why not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it didn't really last that long. Pretty much every successful movie from the 80s and 90s got a short lived cartoon. Ace Ventura, The Mask, Ghostbusters, Beetlejuice. There's all of them out. I remember The Mask and Beetlejuice, I think. Yeah. I remember Ghostbusters too. The real Ghostbusters or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty good. I got it. It's the one piece of Back to the Future I have not seen, and that's not right. Mm. <laughs> I got to do something about that. Wasn't there like stirrings and rumors of a fourth? There has been since since the nineties. Like people have yeah. been like, "Oh, is, is it going to be this time?" And anytime Michael J. Fox or Christopher Lloyd are in an interview, they'll inevitably be asked, "Like, so Back to the Future Four is it happening?" And they're always like, "Never say never." Until Michael J. Fox's Parkinson's got really out of hand, and now he's like, "Yeah, it's probably not going to happen." Yeah, no, it wouldn't happen. I don't, I think what they could do, and I wouldn't be too against it because like I've said previously, I am okay with like remakes or reboots as long as, because I don't, I don't think you can ruin an already established series. Like they could come out and like fucking, I don't know, they could go to an alternate dimension and meet Harry Potter. They will not touch the original series. It's still fucking perfect. So I'm always open to reboots, but I wouldn't be too upset if they did like a, like what they did with Ghostbusters Afterlife, honestly. Mm. See, my big rule is if you're going to remake something, go for it. Just try to maintain the spirit of what you yeah. have, what was came before it. However, there is an asterisk on that, and it is don't touch Back to the Future. Yeah. <laughs> Stay but, away from my beloved. But... If, if they did make a reboot, it wouldn't touch your beloved. But it would be there. It'd be over there acting like it's Back to the Future, and it's not. <laughs> yeah, I see that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, with the right people, maybe it, it could work. I just, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to see, like, I don't want the DeLorean to become like a fucking Tesla. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see Tom Holland, who will inevitably be in it. Yeah. You know? just being a marty mcfly i just i don't it's a it's a bad taste in my mouth i just i don't i don't like it if they were to do a reboot i don't think it would be like uh like i don't i don't think they would be like oh hi i'm marty mcfly it would be like about their kids or something i don't know well so, i, I want to know how they're going to explain why like 2026 or whatever doesn't look like 2015 like where the, the flying cars go the future isn't written, Connor. So Marty not getting fired, erased <laughs> flying cars from the future. I don't, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, but it, it, I don't know. We'll see. Zemeckis and Gale have been very adamant that while they're alive, there will never be another Back to the Future, but they're yeah. getting old. And when they're gone, Universal's going to try. I can guarantee they it. Will. They're going to try. Yeah. Nah. 
Uh, so Marty ends up in the Indians and he's like, oh shit. And he hits reverse and nobody reacts. Everyone's just like, ah, just keep attacking this thing. Uh, they, all, they, they would all stop and be like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. A car came out of nowhere in 1885. Whoever it lands in front of is going to worship this thing. It does not matter what culture you are. Yep. Also, um, nobody ever reacts to the DeLorean just appearing. Well, most people, I guess pretty much every time it does it, like it, when it, it doesn't show up in front of people for the most part. And I guess mm-hmm. in, you know, part two, it's like, it's a storm. People are driving in the sky. Cab probably just wasn't paying attention. He didn't think, oh, it's a time travel. He thought, you asshole, you're in the wrong lane. But in, in the third one at the end, when he, you know, it's on, he appears on the train tracks. True, but they just see a car on the train tracks. They don't see the car appear. That's, that's fair. It is covered by trees. Okay, yeah. They get away with it that way. Multiple I want to know what happened with the fucking terrorists that crashed their buggy into the, the Lone Pine Mall. That's always bugged me. Just, you know, they just hit a photo kiosk. And they're not dead. And there's never just two terrorists. These are part of a larger cell who have who are able to get their hands on plutonium. So this is real. I wish that was a bigger part of the story just because of how fucking funny that would be. These two bumbling Libyan terrorists running around. Oh my God, that would be so funny. The end of three, like the train's about to take off and an RPG takes that fucker (laughs) down because the Libyans found it again. No, dude. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think we are, we can, the McFly family's going to die. Like they're going to get, captured by oh, terrorists yeah. and interrogated. They're never going to find the plutonium and they're never going to find the McFlies. So Marty backs into a cave. The cavalry shows up and doesn't say anything about Marty. They're just like, kill the Indians because that's what we did. And uh, Marty finds out the fuel line ripped and before he can react, a bear chases him out of the cave. And I never understood why they didn't just go back, gather up the gasoline in the dirt and i'm sure doc could figure out a way to get the gasoline out of the dirt and put it in the delorean there were there were options there yes and also like when he when he was like oh damn i blew a fuel line catch it put your hat up do something put your hat down there put your boot in there what are you doing he's watching it happen granted the bear comes out of nowhere but still go back in but also casually he's like hey we're out of gas we got to get some gas like did you see a car coming in here, Marty? <laughs> like, what? yeah, he's like, yeah, we gas. Well, and another thing, granted, I don't know too much about how like gasoline or oil works, but if they know of the existence of oil, can't they just? Can't get... can't well, they I feel like if you know Doc Brown can invent time travel twice, he can he can turn crude oil into gasoline. <laughs> that's what, yeah, that, that's what I was saying. Granted, it wouldn't take... Also, they kept going on on and on about how, like, oh, shit, we need to leave by Monday because that's when you get shot. Yeah. Just don't get shot, and you have all the time you need. Well, they couldn't really do much about that. I mean, it's not like they can kill Buford Tannen. They kill him. There's no Biff, and if there's no Biff, paradox. I'm saying, like, right at the end of the third movie when they have, like, that confrontation with Biff and he gets arrested, great, now you guys have all the time you need. You're not getting shot. That's... But I, that's true. But I, guess at, I guess at that point it becomes kind of a gamble because, like, you know, you could get I don't know, fucking dysentery or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, that is there isn't really much of a rush after that. Huh, I didn't think about that. Like once Buford's in prison, it's like, well, what's the hurry? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Damn. Wow, you just ruined Back to the Future 3. You guys have a time machine. Go back whenever you want. 
<laughs> oh, Take two yeah. years if you want. It wouldn't make any difference. Just go back on the same day. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> but yeah, they, they do pretty much. I just, it bothers me every time. It's like nobody went back to get that gas. And also, like, what about the DeLorean that Doc has stashed in the mine? Can't they go over there and get the gas out of that out of that car? Holy shit, dude. Yeah, there's two DeLoreans in 1885 right now. Oh, my God, there are. Yeah. I mean, Doc could turn it into, like, you know, an electric car. Pretty sure that would be easy for a scientist who can invent fucking time travel. Oh, my God, you're right. Also, how did he create the train? He went on and on about, like, I can't repair the DeLorean. I don't have the technology to do it again. But you made a fucking time-traveling steam engine? In the 1800s. And as you can see by his kids, it did not take him a long time. Yeah, I know. He's like, he's like, hey, look, it runs on steam. You couldn't, like, I don't know, make the DeLorean steam-powered or something? You couldn't, like, build a, a device to do that? If I was Marty and Doc showed up to give me that picture, that would be my first question. It's like, so I didn't need to get my ass kicked by Buford Tan, and you could have whipped this up. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever you needed to. Doc, damn it. Yeah. As much <laughs> as much as I can poke holes in this in, in this movie, because you can always poke holes in time travel shit. It's yeah. still one of my favorite pieces of time travel um, media. Yeah, it's my third favorite film of all time. Uh, so, Yeah. Marty gets chased by the bear. He ends up on the McFly farm because there's only three families in Hill Valley. <laughs> yeah, man. Every movie, there's a, there's, a, there's a McFly and there's a Tannen. Yep, and there's a Brown. And apparently the McFly's and the Baines family married pretty early on in Ireland. So it's weird that like, <laughs> by the time 19, 1955 rolls around, these families are at very least cousins. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I've always wondered how I, I need a story about how Marty met Doc and like what's going on there. I always assumed that Marty is like a bit of a delinquent who probably got sentenced to community service and ended up having to help this scientist and they became buddies. Maybe, yeah, maybe. But OK, you know what? What about that? Would that piss you off? Like a prequel with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would. <laughs> Give me a novel or something, but I don't need it visually. Okay, yeah, a novel. Yeah. <laughs> if they'd made this in like 1992, it, it might have worked, but it's too late. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you ever play Back to the Future, the game? Yeah, but it was made by Telltale, wasn't it? I yeah. Think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I played a little bit of it. I don't remember any of it, though. I know it's like a, it is technically a Back to the Future 4, if I remember. Yeah, it's. Christopher Lloyd, Michael J. Fox is the closest we're going to get. And it had a really cool story. It was like, I guess when the DeLorean got struck by lightning, it actually separated the DeLorean into two separate timelines. One we saw in Back to the Future 3 and another one where Doc went to like 1925 and ended up getting arrested for like bootlegging. Uh, Wait, hold on. Doc went to the 1920s? In this game, yeah. And uh, I know that Marty caused like young doc to lose the love of his life, which caused doc to go insane with power. And in the future, he was like a dictator who took over Hill Valley. That's right. I do remember there being like a young doc and like an evil doc. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. It was crazy. It ended with like, 
what was it? Oh, like Citizen Brown, he was called, uh, Evil Doc. He eventually came to his senses and he pushed Marty out of the way of a, of the DeLorean, like about to run him over. And he got run over and Marty, and he was like, thank you, Marty, for saving me. And then regular Doc hit, walked out of the DeLorean and everything was fine. It, hmm. was like, it was sweet. I enjoyed it. It was, it was nice. That's, cool. That's a nice little side story. Yeah, it was cool. Um, anyway, Marty wakes up in the McFly farm and is like, holy shit, my Irish relatives. And uh, I love Michael J. Fox doing the Irish accent. Yep. I'll help you find your blacksmith friend. It's just, he's not great at it, but it works. Yeah. I'll even get you a hat. It's like, oh, damn. I love, I love that running gag of him waking up to his, to his mom in every movie. I love the awkwardness of part two when he's just blatantly staring at his mom's giant tits. (laughs) Yes. He's like, you're so big. Fuck. No. Why would you say that? He is never going to be comfortable around his mother again after all these adventures. Oh no, dude! You ever think he like, you, you know, some nights he's, he's lonely. He thinks about his mom. You, you, ever, you ever think? I hope not. I hope to God not. But frankly, probably. Did Did Zemeckis get shit for com- for coming up with that story? You know, weirdly, everyone just kind of went with it. Like nobody ever really pushed back on that until like John Mulaney did a bit in his stand up special once. Like, but yeah, I never thought it was weird. It's like, ah, ha, ha, his mom's coming on to him. <laughs> so funny. Hilarious. But now I watch it and I'm like, this is kind of weird. I love yeah. this movie, but this is weird. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's not weird given context. Yeah. He's not trying. Like, she doesn't yeah. know it's her, it's her son. He's actively yeah. trying to get away from her. Like, it's not that weird. If he was like, but Doc, she's hot, then it would be weird. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man. Um so his um his great grandfather pees on him and he walks into town, clearly didn't clean those clothes, just walking around with infant piss on his pants. Yep. Uh and then later horse shit on his shoes. Marty's not doing too good. Uh yeah. goes into the uh the, the tavern, Lou's tavern now, after being, you know, Lou's cafe and the cafe eighties, it's always the same. Venue, venue, love that. Yep. Uh, if you look carefully in 1985, it's Lou's aerobic studio. Are you serious? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, and he gets a whiskey. I love the whiskey's like on fire, like it's burning. Yeah, that was weird, man. That's one thing I love. There was an episode of Supernatural where they went back in time to the old west, and Dean was so excited because he loves cowboys, and he's like, "Howdy, partner!" And he gets there, and he's freaked out because all the whores have venereal diseases and the whiskey tastes like gasoline yeah i mean i <laughs> would yeah uh we meet mad dog tannin who hates being called mad dog tannin and when, when when i watched that scene and he said i hate that name i i really wanted him already to be like oh i'm i'm i wanted him to try at least once to get on his good side and be like hey i'm sorry i didn't i didn't know i'm actually from out of town you got a really nice hat there bud i don't know he, dude, at this point, he is so fucking tired of dealing with tannins. Yeah. Like, think of all the tannins he's had to fight at this point. Man, he's had to fight future tannins, past tannins, normal tannins, past past tannins. Was there a tannin in the? Was there a tannin in the uh, in the game? Yeah, he's a he's a gangster kid tannin. Oh my god. Yep. Uh, so yeah, Mad Dog's just like. 
I love when the guys are like, you know, take a look at him moccasins. What kind of skins is them? Knee K? What, what does that mean? Yep. Knee K. <laughs> oh, I, I was going to say, the guy with the voice who is in every Western movie ever. Who is yeah. that man and why is he in every Western ever? Pat Buttram, uh, Dub Taylor, and the third guy. Uh, you know, the one who sounds like this. He's in yeah. every movie. Is <laughs> I don't Harry Carey Jr. I think might be that guy. I don't know. I know he's just been in a bunch of westerns, and he was like they got those those three guys because they were classical western actors to have mm. cameos in this. And yeah, that he he's a very very recognizable voice. Yeah, he was even he was even in Rango. Yeah, he was in Roger Rabbit too. He's one of the bullets that the cartoon yeah. bullet. <laughs> yeah, man. I love that Marty decides to go with the alias Clint Eastwood. Oh yeah, that's great. He's like, everyone's gonna know how much of a yellow-bellied coward Clint Eastwood is. <laughs> they had to ask Clint Eastwood if they could do that, and he was like, sure. And he thought it was funny. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> That's funny, man. You know, I'm gonna be honest. I have, unfortunately, I'm very sorry. I've never seen a Clint Eastwood western. Ooh, dude, you're missing out. He's. I've he's, seen he's good. The mule. Good westerns. I've seen the mule and Gran Torino, and that is it. I didn't see the mule. I really like Gran Torino. Um, I recommend starting with the Dollars trilogy, a fistful of dollars for a few dollars more, and the good, the bad, and the ugly. Those are the quintessential Clint Eastwood westerns. And they're really good movies. Uh what was that? Um uh, Hang 'em High wasn't too bad. Uh I haven't seen Pale Rider. High Plains Drifter was okay. And then Unforgiven is a great like yeah. epilogue. So he's he's his westerns are fucking fantastic. Like, are they all connected? No, just okay. Yeah, no the no connection. Trilogy. Just uh, the Dollars trilogy are thematically connected. They're not really like, there's not an ongoing story. They just are similar vibes. Gotcha. Good stuff though. In fact, uh, Biff's watching A Fistful of Dollars in his hot tub in part two when Marty walks in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why he's in bulletproof vest. Yeah, I knew that was a. A Clint Eastwood film because Clint Eastwood's in the fucking movie, but yeah, as, Biff calls, I mean. it, as Biff calls it, great friggin' flick. He's right. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's another thing. In every movie, there is like a callback to a previous movie. You have mm-hmm. to watch all three. You can't just watch one. It's true. I love for that. the payoffs for all of them, the best payoff in the entire well, one of the best payoffs in the entire trilogy is it's not really a payoff, but when Marty says "Great Scott" and Doc says "This is heavy." <laughs> Yeah, that was nice. I always love that. Uh, so he pisses off Mad Dog. It's a spittoon uh, blasted all over Mad Dog, and that's ugh, disgusting. <laughs> uh, they string up Marty, almost hang him. Doc shows up, shoots him, shoots the rope, and they find it. Marty finds out what this eighty dollars that Doc owed Buford was all about, and it turns out it's just Mad Dog being an asshole, as we all assumed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Doc's like, why the hell are you here? I wanted you to go home, but it's good to see you. Yeah, yeah that was always good. Yeah. We go to Doc's lab, which is, I love that he's got this giant elaborate machine that just makes ice. One ice, one ice cube. One, one ice cube. He's like, <laughs> he looks so smug. He's like, iced tea? He's like, no, I'm, I'm good. I've seen the water here. I don't want it. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're also, they're also trying to figure out who Clara is. Yep, because uh, the tombstone said erected in memory of his beloved Clara, 
And they find out the new school teacher is named Clara. And Doc's like, holy shit, I guess I shouldn't meet this lady. And then I'll never fall in love. Good plan. So he fell in love with her. And he was, what What did the tombstone say? In remembrance? No, is remembered by beloved Clara. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that happened after like two days. Because he got shot like two days later. This was the Old West. You basically like, you. it was introductions, courting, and then marriage in like two or three days. Yeah, that's fair. Because, you know, you're going to die of dysentery. Yeah, getting you don't shot. make it to 40 and you have like eight kids. That, that was life in the in the Old West. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so they save Clara uh, when she nearly goes over the edge and they find out that, you know, they the ravine named after her is no longer going to be named after her. And if you look carefully at the sign at the end of the movie, it's now called Eastwood Ravine. Yep. Because <laughs> everyone thinks Marty went in the ravine. Love that. There has to be something like, in the, like, come on, like they're going to be like, hey, there's this actor. His name is Clint Eastwood. But Clint Eastwood was a real dude who like got uh, Mad Dog, Mad Dog Tannen arrested. Yeah, they'll say, you know, he the actor Clint Eastwood was named after the great American folk hero, Clint Eastwood. <laughs> that's, what, that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> and he'll probably star in a movie about. Clint Eastwood stopping Mad Dog Tannen. That would be a cool spinoff. I would, I would one hundred percent watch that. Like a like a light year, but for uh, yeah, for yeah, that would be that's way too meta for Universal to green light. But it's not. It's a cool thought. That would be so cool. What what, what would be the what, what would be the story? Because nobody else knew what what was really happening. Well, I'm sure over the years, you know, the retelling of the day Clint Eastwood took out Mad Dog Tannen got crazier and crazier and crazier. So a hundred years later, it's like, you know, this cool breeze stranger strode into town and took out the greatest outlaw the California had ever seen. And then stole a train and drove it off a cliff. Yeah, it'll be, you know, he saved a blacksmith and his girl and there'll be some, you know, some sidekick that nobody, you know, the, the Hill Valley kid or some shit that like somebody threw into the story and Mad Dog's gang will be like 300 people. Mad yep. Dog will be eight feet tall and, you know, spit fire. <laughs> That's a cool idea. Yeah, I would watch that. Yeah, for sure. Eastwood. That's what they call it. <laughs> Eastwood, the Hill Valley story. <laughs> or just like Mad Dog. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, funny. Uh, so Clara gets saved and immediately falls for Doc, and Doc falls for her, and they're happy, and Marty's like, hey, Doc, we got shit to do. Like, yeah. clock's ticking, man. Let's figure this out. <laughs> but once again, just get rid of Tannen, and you really don't need to get going. You can take your time. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's weird. Uh, I never thought about that. Just like get him out of here and go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. They decide to use the train to push the DeLorean up to 88, which could work. And I love it. Everything. They need. I love the, the engineers like, well, why would you ever need to go that fast? And they're just like, it's a bet. And it's like, well, let me tell you everything you need to know so that you can steal <laughs> yeah, my train exactly. one day and make this happen. <laughs> yeah. I was also trying to think of other ways they could do it, and I didn't think of anything. Other than you guys have another DeLorean. I just think, you know, convert it to electric, convert it to steam, or go back to the cave and collect that gasoline. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, okay, so Clara is now in, in, in play. Doc's not thinking clearly anymore. He builds the model, shows them the deal. They go to the festival, and the festival's all happy and fun, and then Buford shows up and is going to... I like that Marshall Strickland has, like, so much hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly so his, baldness skips a generation. Yeah. His son is is Strickland's dad, which I think is funny. Because yeah. everyone is, like, either the, is the grandparents of the other people. Yeah. And I like that in this universe, your ancestors look exactly like you. Yeah. Like, no yes. variation whatsoever. <laughs> no, everything, you know, you, you know, you know who's... Who's related to who? That is true. And he's hammering home, you know, discipline, son. Never forget that word, discipline. You might be a high school principal one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so Doc dances with Clara. Marty shows off his shooting prowess after making a fool of himself. Uh, yeah. With a Colt peacemaker. I love the part. He's like, where'd you learn to shoot like that? 7-Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't no, care. But- yeah, he doesn't care how much time shit he screws up. Yeah, no. My favorite like time joke in the entire trilogy is when he's like, "Oh, frisbee far out," and the his ancestors are like, "He's like, what does that mean?" He was right in front of him. Yeah, that's cute. I love that it comes back and you know he uses that pie, the the pie, yeah, tray whatever to take out the gun and <laughs> he calls him a gutless yellow pie slinger later. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, apparently attempted murder is not enough to get you thrown in jail in Hill Valley. I mean, there were a lot of witnesses. Dude, I know. And he uh, Strickland kept saying, he was like, man, I can't wait until I see you at the end of a rope. You have the power to do that. You yeah. are the marshal. Do it. He's a known outlaw. Like, this is not, you know, a disturbance. Like, this guy's done horrible shit. We all know it. Like, why aren't you arresting him? Yeah. He's like, he's like I'm going to kill you tomorrow. No, no, we're robbing the... Uh, Pine City coach or stage tomorrow. It's like, oh, okay, what are we the next day? Arrest him. Yeah. I love that he just announces that to like 50 people. Like, we're robbing the Pine City stage tomorrow. We got plans. Yeah. <laughs> the marshal's right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I love that the band playing at the town festival is ZZ Top. Is that really? Yeah. The two guys with beards and the drummer, that's ZZ Top. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yep, and they're doing a, a Western cover of the song they did for the movie called uh, Double Back. Oh, damn. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's really great. Cool. <laughs> there was a um, the bit of trivia I read that uh, during production, uh, one of the cameras broke, so they had to kind of just chill while they waited for the camera to get fixed. So Michael J. Fox walked up to ZZ Top and was like, hey, could you, uh, could you, play, could you play this song? And they're like, sure. And it turned into an impromptu ZZ Top concert. And somebody nice. said, like, went to Zemeckis, like, is the camera fixed yet? And he's like, it's been fixed for hours, but we're having fun. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so cool. Uh, so now, because Marty once again made a fool out of Buford Tannen, he no longer wants a blacksmith dead. He wants Marty dead. He wants Eastwood, you know. And he does that, you know, that nobody calls me chicken thing, but this time he calls him yellow. And it's weird how that never that kind of just started in part two, Marty being called chicken and how he can't handle that. Yeah. And that was like a big conflict. That was like the main conflict of the, of the movies. Yeah. Every everything bad that happens stems from that. Uh, I read a theory that said that 
Marty's event, Marty's meddling in George's George's life in the first one created a more uh, like aggressive, more you know, a George who stands up for himself. So that George is going to impart, don't let anybody ever call you chicken, into his kids. So I'm wondering if now because Marty's created a new timeline for his family that 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 lesson is now like in Marty and it wasn't there in the first movie because he hadn't done that yet. Hmm. That's interesting. I didn't think about that. Yeah. That's the best. I wonder, I... I wonder how it's going to affect his life now that his parents are better off. Well, I mean, he's never really met these people like that's, you know, all of his I memories know. are his dopey family. Like he doesn't know these guys. So, yeah, th- that's another thing. Like um, when he wakes up in the second movie mm-hmm. and new Lorraine is like, hey, I thought you were going to the lake with Jennifer today. And he's like, what? No, I've been telling you I'm going camping with the guys. So, like, how does she know that now? Have events in Marty's life now changed and he remembers them incorrectly? Does this timeline have its own Marty that's now missing? I think that timeline's Marty got erased when our yeah. Marty woke up the next day having, you know, done that. Yeah. As, of- as we've established, like, when you change the timeline, if you're the person who changes the timeline, it doesn't affect you. So, yeah, that's that's crazy. I can't imagine, you know, waking up the next day and, like, yeah, your family's there, but it's a version of your family you have no memories of because you, you weren't in, involved in any of these events. That's crazy. That is a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Oh. Also, like, I like how we have hints of Doc Brown's life throughout. Like, he gets sent to an asylum in the second movie. But, like, that means that that version of Doc is somewhere out there. Well, I don't know, because in this, is, this the, the time travel rules in Back to the Future are not, like, multiversal. You're not creating a new timeline every time you do an action. It's like, your actions then influence the current timeline and things are erased or changed as needed. So it's, it's weird. Like, cause committed doc might've just vanished and oh, yeah, doc true. is in his place. It's it's really weird. It's like imagine, you know, all the lives they've taken inadvertently by just doing this. Oh yeah. Because it doesn't like create, well, it, it does create an alternate timeline when Biff goes back in the past and gives him the almanac. But True. I guess that's not an alternate timeline. That's the main timeline. Yeah, it just changes the main timeline. It's not like they could go to this 1985 or that 1985, depending on their their options. This is the only 1985, and they they caused it. That's weird, man. Yeah, it's, a, it's philosophical, man. I could teach a whole course on this shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and God knows I'm going to try. Uh, so. Everyone's like telling Marty, you know, like, way to go. We're standing up to that son of a bitch. And the, the gun guy's like, here's a free gun. And Marty's like, oh, sweet, free gun. <laughs> yeah. Never uses it because uh, it's, it's a family film. Yep. <laughs> uh, Doc is in love with Clara, wants to take her with them. I don't know why they don't do that because she's not. I know. I don't. Anyway. <laughs> also, like, if, if, if you take her with you, just don't destroy the time machine. And if she doesn't like it, just go back. And yeah. you can go, oh, hey, mom and dad, I'm going to go visit Doc in 1885 uh, for dinner. Is that okay? Why not? Mm, I don't know. I do agree with Doc that, like, the time machine's too dangerous to be left. It definitely it definitely is, yeah. But the fact that 
Clara is not supposed to be alive in this timeline because she's supposed to fly into that ravine and you saved her. And now she's just wandering, you know, with no future. Yeah. Like yeah. taking her out of here is not going to screw with history. If anything, there's leaving so her here is going to screw with history. There's so much shit that they do that ruins everything. Have you read or know the concept of the book by Ray Bradbury, The Sound of Thunder? I've seen the movie. I didn't care for it, but I like the idea. There's a movie? Yeah, it was 2004, Sound of Thunder. Fucking what? <laughs> okay, yeah. for those of you who don't know, Sound of Thunder is a story about in the future, there's like time safaris or whatever. You can go back in time as like for like a, a tour. But this guy goes back to like the dinosaur ages, I think, and he kills a butterfly. Or is it a moth? I mean, it's a butterfly. Yeah, it's a butterfly. He, like a butterfly lands on his shoulder and he just, you know, in a, you know, without him thinking about it, just kills it because it's a bug and it lands on him. And then he goes back into the present day. And because of that, everything is fucking ruined. Which is fucking crazy, dude. Yeah, that's I think that's where the concept of the butterfly effect came from, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's freaky. Like, the fact that something that innocuous could literally cause, like, apes to conquer the future is... It's freaking weird. At least that's what happened in the movie. I don't know what happened in the book. Yeah, I think it's apes, yeah. So, yeah, I'd be worried about that. Every step, you know, every time, you know, when Marty steps in that horse shit in the street, that could cause the light bulb to never be invented. Like, you don't know. Yeah. That's but then again, like, yeah. but then also it could just, like, not have an effect. Because, like, would it really actually have an effect? It's true. Or, you know, you knock out your high school bully and all of a sudden you have assertiveness and your life is way better. So <laughs> sometimes it works out. And he's a little bitch now, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, He's auto detailing and just has various tracksuits he wears. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I couldn't keep the guy who tried to rape my wife at one point around for any reason whatsoever. No. I don't care if he is the only auto detailer in town. I wash my own car. Yeah. When uh, when Biff is legitimately like raping Lorraine and his goonies are standing there watching, he's like, come on, guys, this isn't a peep show. It's like, come on, guys, have some decency. Don't watch while I rape this woman. Get out of here. I uh, I read a really disturbing fan theory about the first movie that explains why uh, George and Lorraine are so fucked up in the original timeline. Because in that timeline, Biff did rape her. Oof. Yeah, and George was either not there or wasn't strong, like you know, assertive enough to do anything about it, and that's why Lorraine is an alcoholic and kind of miserable. Oh my god, dude! That's right, nice. Jesus. Oh fuck. Yeah, so good. I'm glad. I'm glad Biff spiked that punch, which George drank, which gave him the courage to knock his ass out. <laughs> I never thought about that. Yep, that's liquid courage. That's what, yep, because George is drinking the punch right before he goes outside. And we see is him. That, is, that Biff spiked it. is that canonically what it is? That's what I always thought it was because Biff spiking what? the punch in part two. George drinks the punch. He goes outside. He has the mental fortitude enough to stand up to Biff, which he's never done. It's got to be the booze. That's fucking great, dude. Oh my God. I never thought about that. Yeah. That punch also is one of the best punches in all movies, dude. Every time that happens, I always get, I'm always like, "Fuck yeah!" It's one of my favorite movie moments of all time. Just yeah, it's so the balling up of the fist, the music sting, and Biff yep. doing a fucking three sixty turn and falling over. Yep, and then oh. he's like, "Are you okay?" Oh man, so good. 
It's beautiful. This is the this is my favorite love story. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, speaking of love stories, Doc and Clara kiss, and everything's going well. And then Doc has to say, "Sorry, Clara, I'm from the future, and I got to go." And she's like, "You asshole! You think yeah. I'm stupid?" <laughs> and just slaps him and closes the door. And now Doc is miserable. I mean, you could have just said, "Like, I got the time machine right over here. Come with, come with me. I'll yeah, show come, you. come look at it, please." Yeah, I got. He should have just started that with, "You want to see something cool, sci-fi fan of yeah. 1885? Exactly. <laughs> ah, so he goes to the bar and starts drinking. I love that he just holds the one drink because he can't hold his liquor, and when he takes it, he just passes out immediately. Yep. I love the whole wake up juice bit. Yeah, like clearly, uh, the bartender, whatever his name is, has had to do this before. <laughs> He's got a system. <laughs> I like how when he comes in, he's like, hey, Doc, um, the usual? He's like, no, not tonight. I need something stronger. And he's like, oh, sarsaparilla, which is just basically Coke. I want to know what his usual is because yeah. he said they don't have any water. So what, what, is, what, is, what, what is his usual? What's between water and like basically root beer? Like what is, <laughs> no. what <Yeah>. is that? <laughs> nope. Yeah. Like, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> And he doesn't even offer more to that. He comes in, he's like, can I have water? He's like, no. And here, we pour whiskey and fruit beer. <laughs> but only for the blacksmith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mad Dog shows up, starts counting down, and everyone in the saloon's like, well, why don't you go out there? It's what we got to do. We're, we're cowboys. You got to go. You're challenged. You got to go. And Marty's like, well, why? He's an asshole. I don't give a shit what he thinks. I love that part so much because he, he looks at Seamus and Seamus like, man, you don't want to like do this. Like don't throw your life away because yeah. you care what other people think of you. And then that moment when he's like, he's an asshole. I was like, yes. I love I Seamus like, giving him the like, think about this man. Like yep. eyes the whole time. He's like, I love that. I do yep. love that. Uh, though he does go out there with a bulletproof vest and I love the fight between him and Buford. Yep. That part was so cool. Yep, kicks his ass, breaks the tombstone, and the first tannin to fall in a bunch of horse shit falls in a bunch of horse shit. Yep. <laughs> I love when the deputy shows up and he's like, get him out of that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the reason the deputy comes to get him is because there's a deleted scene where Buford killed Marshall Strickland. What? Yep, shot him in the back because that's what he does. And his son is there to comfort him in his last moments. And Strickland's last words are, discipline, <laughs> never forget. Oh, my God, that's so fucking great. Yeah, he, originally he was supposed to be arrested for the murder of Marshall Strickland, but they were like, that's a little hard for a kid's movie. So let's just make it stagecoach robbery. A little hard for a kid's movie that had a legitimate rape scene at the beginning? Yeah, it's a lot. This, this, this franchise toes the line. I mean, there's, there's a lot of murder in part two. Like, yeah. What's I don't know, man. I don't I don't know. Studios are weird. No, whatever. <laughs> so now they gotta get to the, the train. Marty throws uh that one kid throws up his gun. I love that um there's another line of dialogue originally where that kid was gonna be revealed to be D.W. Griffith, the filmmaker who made the birth of a nation. <laughs> <laughs> Not really doesn't really make sense why, but that was gonna be there. That would have been funny though. And Seamus gets the gun. It's worth 12 bucks, which back then was quite a fortune. And uh, he's going to trade it for a hat. I like that. Yeah. yeah. They get on the train. Clara realizes, oh, shit, Doc might be telling the truth. 
and uh, chases them after, like chases them to the train. I love that they can't admit to the guy that it's a stick up. It's like it's a science experiment. We're not going to hurt anybody. Yeah, this is a hold up. They're like, um, it's a science experiment. Wow, way to give yourselves away. He's going to remember who he just talked to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then I think like maybe, yeah, the second best climax in this franchise because the first one, obviously, you know, the first film, the bolt of lightning, nothing's stopping. I get anxious every time I watch that scene in the first movie. I don't know how they manage yeah. to pull that off. I can watch this movie so many times, and every time I'm like, oh my god, hurry up, hurry the fuck up, come on. Same, man. Every time I I've seen this film over a hundred times, you know, my whole life, and every time I'm like, oh shit, ah. There has to be there has to be a scientific reason why. There has to be either the way it's filmed, the music it has to be something. Yeah, I don't know. It's Back to the Future's lightning in a bottle in terms of filmmaking. I don't know how he did it, what he did, but it is the perfect movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any. Well, I mean, there, there's obvious plot holes, but that's just because it's time travel, but. Yeah, I don't know how he did it, man. Every climax of every movie, I yeah. feel. Maybe not in the second movie, but in, in the first one and the third one, yeah. You know what I also find very interesting? In part two, when Doc finds the almanac and he's like, what's this? Why would you risk the future like this? Marty, I thought you were better than this. He had no problem with him taking the hoverboard back. Yeah. <laughs> like, people are going to ask questions about that too, Doc. <laughs> and to be fair... I don't care. Take the almanac. Yeah. I. Yeah, it's like he's not going to, you know, take over the world. Well, he might take over the world. There's a little bit of a, of a mean streak in Marty. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I get Doc's point, though. It's like, you know, we're not gamblers. We're, ta- we're explorers. Why, you know, he's, he's disappointed. That's anyway. how um, that's how James Anderson makes money when he in uh, 112263, when he goes back in time. He um, he bets on on sporting events yeah yeah i like that i love that's one of the coolest time travel stories just the way it unfolds the way it's so natural and he's just like wow the root beer tastes so different because it's not loaded with you know yeah additives and shit it's like it tastes pure and like i love that it's so good and honestly like first of all it's it's a movie podcast not a book podcast but also the the tv show with james franco even though james franco i guess is a shitty person now but um it's such a good show and the rules for time travel on that show. I really like the fact that like you can go in the past, you can come back, but if you go back, it resets. That's yeah. Cool. Dude, when he has to reset like everything. Oh my God. My heart broke. Because, because he has a choice at the very end. Cause he he's in love with, with the, with the teacher. Yeah. Um, and he's like, well, fuck, I, I did what I needed to do. I need to go back now. I don't remember why, but I know that he, cause he thinks, oh, I'm going to stay here because I love her, but he's, I don't remember why, but there's a reason he goes back to the present and it's all fucked up. Well, she gets like attacked by her ex-husband who like cuts her face up. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. And then he saves JFK, but it creates a horrible future. And he decides like, well, shit, maybe it'd be better off if I did nothing. Damn. Because that book's so long, you get fucking invested in that story, man. Like you, it's yeah. Uh, I'd read. I want to read that again. Does he? Does he end up staying? No, he, he, he goes home. He goes back and then he resets it. Yeah, and he goes home and then, like in the future or in his time, he meets older Sadie. That's right. She's like, "Do you look familiar? You look familiar." And he's like, "Nope, we've never met." And I was in tears. 
Yeah, man. I love when he goes to Derry and runs into two of the kids from It. What? Does he? Yeah, in the book, he goes to Derry, Maine and runs into uh, oh, yeah, Beverly right. and Richie, and they're like, hey, watch yeah. out for the clown in the sewers. And he's like, crazy kids. <laughs> but no, really. Like, we're dealing with some shit right now, man. <laughs> yeah. I love My favorite that thing about King's always been like all the little nods to his other work. Yeah. I like that it's all connected. I think that's cool. So neat. Uh, so Doc and Clara confess their love for each other. Doc gets off the train, saves Clara with the hoverboard, and Marty goes back to the future. And the train, and the oncoming train destroys the DeLorean in one of the most heartbreaking scenes in movie history. Yeah, man, that's really that's a really sad scene, honestly. Oh, yeah. And Marty's just like, "Well, it's gone," and he's about to cry. So he's like, "My friend's gone too." Ugh. And he goes to get Jennifer. Thankfully, nobody bothered this teenage girl just sleeping on the porch. Uh, well, I mean, it's only been uh, a day, hasn't it? Isn't that crazy? The, all the events of all three of these movies, it's been like a day yeah. in real time, but like months for him. Yeah, he's been gone for a, how long did the first one take? A week. Then the second one also took a week. Yeah, he's been gone a whole month. Crazy. Maybe less, but yeah, around that time, at least a couple weeks. Uh he gets back to his house and he immediately confronts Biff in the garage. <laughs> yeah. Hey, butthead, get away from that. Watch it. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Mr. McFly, yeah. I didn't mean it. <laughs> He's like, such I swear a to God, Biff, shut up. He's so done with Biff. Oh, my God. He'll never be able to look Biff in the eye after this yeah. whole thing. It's crazy that the whole second and third movie is, com- is completely Biff's fault. The first movie sort of separated from the big overarching arching story, which is the second and third movie. Yeah. Doc hadn't given such a damn about Marty's kids. This never would have happened. Yeah. Uh, actually, let me rephrase that. If Marty had been a better father, this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yes. Actually, <laughs> no. If Marty never got in an accident with the Rolls Royce. Yeah. So really, it's Needle's fault, son of a bitch. <laughs> Fucking red hot chili peppers, dude. Oh, my God. It's all their fault. Lee, you asshole. <laughs> is this the only movie he's acted in no he's in a ton of stuff randomly he's he was in babylon he was in logan lucky yeah how was babylon all the time it was weird it was almost an x-rated movie like it was almost a a, a weird porno like there was so much really? aggressive shit in that movie oh damn it opens with an elephant shitting on a person like aggressively oh, so, I thought, but there's a lot of sex in the movie okay that too but also elephant shit and a, a lady pissing on a fat guy. Like it's a it's a weird movie. Hmm. It's also three hours long and didn't need to be. So uh, I thought it was all right. I thought it was good for what it was trying to do. It just was way too much and needed more focus. But man, if me and you can get through Crimes of the Future and Skinamarink, I think we can get. I can get through a an elephant shitting on someone. I would love to go see one like run of the mill movie. <laughs> like just a nothing too ethereal or psychologically <laughs> fucked up just something regular something normal that's true me and you have either seen when we go to the movies we've either seen an older movie or a fucking weird experimental movie I, we gotta figure this out we gotta <laughs> see something that yeah we're gonna we'll, we'll figure it out we'll figure it out. there's options this year yeah imagine if i was like hey let's go see babylon you're like sure and then after it's number like fuck I, moved, I, had, I took like three bathroom breaks because it was three hours long and they kept giving me refills. Oh, man. I'm like, damn it. I'm going to miss shit. But yeah, not bad. 
I gave it a seven. I've okay. I'd probably like it more if I, you know, watch it again, knowing what to expect. Tom McGuire's in it, right? Yeah, in one of the weirdest fucking scenes in the movie. I was it's only towards the end, so I won't explain. I won't t- t- spoil that one, but it's oh, weird. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You should watch it. You should watch it for sure. Uh so Jennifer, yeah, Jennifer and Marty don't race needles. They don't hit the rolls. The future's erased. Marty's probably going to be this big rock star. He's going to be fine. And uh, they go back to see the wreckage, and the time train shows up. And Doc's like, "Hey, guess what? I don't, ha- I don't have any principles." I would have been pissed. <laughs> Doc, everything that we have worked for, he's going to throw it down the drain. Yeah, Jules and Vern we meet his kids. That's corny, but you know, Vern is oddly sexual. Yeah, there's that weird. I think he just had to go to the bathroom, but he didn't <laughs> want to tell the director. Cut. So you think that hand motion was like, hurry the fuck up, I gotta pee? I'm I'm pretty sure that's what that was, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Marty gets a present, Doc and Marty in front of the clock. That clock that has meant so much to both of them. And yeah. they go, assuming, I guess, into the past, because Doc's already been to the future. I guess 30 years into the future is just the future. There's no, you can't go past that, I guess. And, uh, yeah, already been there. It's like, no, you haven't. There, it's an ethereal <laughs> no. concept, Doc. You can keep going. Trust me. Yeah. It's like saying, like, you know, tomorrow is today. It's like, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. But you can still look forward to tomorrow. Don't yeah, get exactly. off philosophical with me, Doc. Yeah, I, I would be so scared to go just a little bit too far. You know? Does this mean he only is able to time travel to places with train tracks? No, because it flies. Yeah, but how's he going to land this thing? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it converts know. into a boat. I don't know. Maybe. Time-traveling train just doesn't seem very... Uh... Yeah, it doesn't seem effective. Yeah. That's what, yeah, he goes a little bit too far in the world. The Earth doesn't exist anymore. They're like, fuck. Yeah, what do you do in that case? Like, you time-travel a million years in the future, and that asteroid hit us, and it's all gone. Or just like 2016, one year after 2015... Fucking zombie apocalypse! Like fuck, I gotta go tell Marty. Yeah, it just keeps Marty. You gotta come back with me every like, three days. He's like, damn, you're not gonna believe this time. Yeah, he's like, Marty. Oh my god, you won't believe this. Everything that we've done has caused the apocalypse. So we gotta go back in time and kill ourselves as babies. Jennifer's like, can I sit this one out? Because I just <laughs> had to lie in an alley last time. Oh. So that's Back to the Future 3. I know it sounds like we ripped it apart, but we love it. Yeah, it's such a good movie. Uh, here are some filmgasm facts for Back to the Future 3. When filming the scene where Mad Dog Tannen tries to lynch Marty, Michael J. Fox was accidentally hanged, rendering him unconscious for a short time. He records oh, this damn. in his autobiography, Lucky Man, from 2002. So yeah, they actually hanged him and he almost died. Oh, like in that scene, in the in the shot that they used? Yep. The shot they used, he's dangling. He's actually choking to death. And Zemeckis didn't yell cut because he thought Michael J. Fox was just really good at looking like he was being hanged. Oh, my God. What was the safety net for that? Like, what was supposed to happen? I I don't know. I guess, like, the rope was supposed to be tied to his, his waist or something. Or maybe it was a trick rope. I have no idea. But they didn't go off. And so Michael J. Fox almost died. It happened on The Mummy, too. When? In the first uh, one, when Brendan Fraser gets hanged, like he actually was yeah. hanged. 
Oh, when people get hanged in movies, it often goes wrong and they actually do get hanged. Damn. Yeah, I gotta watch that shit. Uh, number two. Former President Ronald Reagan was approached to play the mayor because of his fondness for the first film. He reluctantly turned down the role and the part went to Hugh Gillen instead. But yeah, Ronald Reagan was a huge fan of the first film. That's you know, that line where he's like, Ronald Reagan, the actor? He got a big kick Ronald out. Reagan. Okay, have you seen, do you, do you watch Ted Lasso? I have not. Okay, well, one of the characters in it does a Doc Brown impression and he goes, <laughs> Ronald Reagan, the actor? And it's just, it's so good. It's like spot on. <laughs> I've no. never seen a movie with Ronald Reagan in it. I haven't either. He was not a he was not a good actor. He was not a, a very successful actor. He was actually kind of a terrible actor who mostly known for his movies with this monkey named Bonzo. Oh God. Yeah. Hold on. Let me pull pull up Ronald Reagan's IMDb page. <laughs> his most famous movie is a football drama called Newt Rockney All American, where he gives that iconic line uh tell them to give it all they got and win just one for the gipper you may have heard that yeah now. okay i've heard oh. that yeah yeah that's 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 what that's from he named names to the house and american activities committee and basically became a california politician based off that so reagan's always been a piece of shit oh okay understood mm-hmm. he wasn't a good actor but he mm-hmm. was almost the mayor but his health was not great at the time so he couldn't take the role Mm. Um, and number three in the mid 90s there were plans for Back to the Future 4 one plan discussed uh, Doc and his family going to Roswell New Mexico in 1947 with Michael J. Fox appearing only in a cameo so they were going to be like mistaken for aliens or something and go up against the government which could have been a cool story Uh, in 2004, Michael J. Fox talked about doing Back to the Future 4, saying he wanted Marty McFly to be a mentor to a different family. So, it you know, considering fervor for this franchise has never faltered, people still love this. It's still a huge IP. Before you know, it might end, it might happen, as you know, with with Lloyd and Fox playing sort of a you know passing the torch thing to a new generation. That's why I feel like again, I don't think reboots ruin franchises because it's it's i i i have the ability to separate them like i did like i did with the female ghostbuster remake i don't think people say it ruined ghostbusters no it didn't and also if they do an afterlife thing i think it'll be i think think it'll be it'll be okay well i'm not saying it would ruin back to the future i'm just saying that then we just have you know if it's bad it's just going to be this kind of black mark on an impeccable record and i don't i don't Um, like that yeah and there's very few, like, you know, remakes or reboots that are done for the right reasons. Most of the time, it's just done to cash in. Yeah, for sure. I just don't want that to happen to this either. Nah. Did you uh, Did you like Afterlife? I did, a lot. I thought that was really good. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, this is a 10 for me. Uh, all three of these movies are 10s. I love them dearly. They just get better with each viewing. And enough said. Yeah, I I agree. I give it a ten. Also, it's my it's one of my feel good movies. Uh, I think this is a movie that I could watch over and over again and never get sick and tired of it. So, I have. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> uh, this was a blast getting to revisit this one. Thanks for listening. 
If you like the show, feel, uh, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. We're Film Guys and Productions on Letterboxd. Uh, check out mine at Connor95. And from there, you can find everyone else on the team if you want to see what they're doing. If you want to suggest films for us to check out, you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com or send us a message through the socials. Uh, check out our website, filmgasm.com, where we have reviews, articles, trailers of upcoming films, and every episode of our shows. If you want to support the show through Anchor, you can click on support this podcast on your preferred provider. We appreciate it. Next week, we're tackling an Australian cult horror film chosen by Oscar Sunday host Austin Johnson as his birthday pick, 1982's Next of Kin. A daughter reads her mother's diary in a nursing home, and soon events depicted in the diary begin to happen to the daughter. A waking nightmare ensues in this critically acclaimed psychological horror film that's been equated to The Shining. So I'm very intrigued. I know next to nothing about this. Uh, it's currently streaming on Shudder and Tubi if you'd like to see it for yourself. Uh, yeah. So next to Ken next week. Uh, don't miss the animated flick Batman the Killing Joke on Fridays Beyond the Bad, the 1954 Western Broken Lance on Oscar Sunday, and a fake true stories on 2004's Glory Road in the coming weeks. Until then, remember that no one's future is written. Your future is whatever you make it. So make it a good one and keep watching movies. Mm -hmm.